everybody, uh, this is Michael Lanick and Sarah, and we are back for an episode of the American Gods podcast. Hello, godlings. So, hope everyone has been having a good week since our last episode, and uh, really not too much going on our end. Uh, I guess day-to-day life, work, job, all that, all that stuff. Um, other than that, that fun jazz. Yeah, yeah, all that good stuff. Um, really, uh, I guess there's not much to report in terms of uh, our day-to-day lives, except for I guess Sarah's getting a couple of cats, a couple of cats. Yeah. Uh, it's my birthday this weekend, and I'm getting two kitties. Um, really excited. Um, we didn't plan on, you know, getting cats anytime soon, but we just found them, and they're feral, like tossed into the woods, little strays that have just been like abandoned, and our hearts just kind of broke and like broke down. Like, yeah, we have to adopt them. <laughs> yeah, we did that one time. We uh, a couple years ago. It was winter, and there was a couple of small cats. They were, you know, not not kittens, but you know, between kittens and adulthood. Uh, and it was it was one of the really bad winter here, and uh, they were you know feral, you know they were out you know just you know doing their thing, uh, yeah. trying to survive. And we were pretty sure that if we didn't feed them they were going to die. Like, there was just no way that they were going to be able to, you know, save themselves. So we started putting food out on our porch. And, they, you know, they started making their way up, and they would, you know, eat and everything. And But they were very skittish, you know, of course. Yeah. And But eventually, so you know, we'd sit outside, and they eventually, you know, came to, you know, we'd, like, pet them and stuff. We'd pick them up a little bit. They were kind of squirmy. They didn't really, you know. But um, we eventually took them to um i think like a pause organization kind of place so hopefully they got you know placed and everything with somebody and and we wanted to take them in but we just didn't have the room so you know you have one big cat (laughs) yeah so we just figured it pulled off but yeah but i'm glad you're getting two cats and that's great yeah i can't wait i'm We've always had just the one, so it's going to be quite a handful having two. And they're brothers, and um, the SPCA, they have a, a kitty cam where you can watch the cats um, throughout the day. They just have it focused on the cages. And ours are particularly rambunctious. They, If you put anything on their cage, they like tear it down, and they keep playing with the sign that's on their cage. And they're going to be a handful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's what cats are, especially when they're like that young and they're kind of feral, and they're just gonna take a little while to, you know, adjust to the new situation and the new surroundings and everything. So yeah, but I'm sure in six months you'll be like the the best cats. Oh yeah. yeah. They just need love and care. Yes, and we can do that, right? Yeah, and um, this weekend the thirtieth anniversary of my favorite show, The Labyrinth, is showing down in the States. So I have to like, I had to get my passport renewed and I did thought I had a while left for it to run out, but it expired. So I had to like get like a rush order on my passport within like two days, pay like a crazy amount of money just to go see the labyrinth down in the States Uh, in theaters. uh, Labyrinth, David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, you know, eighties magic. Yeah. It is an amazing movie, and if you haven't seen it, if anybody anybody out there is listening, and you're like, what the hell is Labyrinth? Uh, (laughs) Came out in 85, Uh, David Bowie uh, was the Goblin King, and Jennifer Connelly, um, just, uh, you know, uh, Jim Henderson, great puppeteer, uh, just unbelievable work. It is uh, pure cinematic gold, so go watch it. And... In correlation with our kitties, I'm naming my cat Jareth the Goblin Kitty. <laughs> uh, that is just inspired. That is great. I gotta tell you, I because oh he has like this. He has like a outline of the eyebrows, so he kind of has that whole look going on. <laughs> I'm like done. Perfect name. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, seriously, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited now that we. 
we were talking about like, hey, we're not going to go off on a tangent with all like the news we don't have to cover. It'll save us so much time. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we'll just find other tangents to go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So I guess we should jump into everything. All right. So, um, so as you just heard from Sarah, uh, there's really no news this week. It's, it's exceptionally light uh, as it's been lately. Uh, and we knew this was going to happen after Comic-Con when they released the trailer and we got some, you know, you know, new characters being unveiled. It, it, things are going to get to a point where it was going to be a trickle. And I feel like we're kind of hitting a point where we're not going to hear, I think, a whole lot between now and probably, I want to say, mm, mid-September. Or not mid-September, I guess we're currently in September. Um <laughs> By probably like mid to late October, uh, maybe around that time we'll start getting some stills um, from like the first episode. We might get a new trailer possibly, but uh, I just think there's gonna be a little bit of a wait, and then the machine will ramp up in probably late next month up until the premiere. I think you're gonna start seeing it's gonna just start pouring on more and more. We're gonna get trailers. We're gonna get just all kinds of stuff is going to get thrown our way. But I don't think it's going to happen yet. I think it's going to be a sustained wait for some of that. Yeah. And maybe we'll even get a release date. <laughs> yeah, and a release date. So That'd be appreciative. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so there's no news this week, basically, is what it comes down to. So Yeah. So we won't be doing the news segment because there is none. Exactly. So this week, uh, we are covering, covering, oh, great, okay. Week in English today. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah obviously, uh, it's like 1130 uh, at night. Uh, anyway, um, okay, so uh, we are covering Emily Browning. She's going to be our profile this week. Um, so, of course, anybody that's familiar with the show, anybody that's looked into who's what actors do, you know, doing what character, you know that she is Laura. Uh, so we're going to do a profile of her, talk a little bit about her career in uh, Hollywood so far, things she's done. And uh, I'm going to let Sarah um, wax philosophical about her many qualities. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, we are going to jump into chapter by chapter, so chapter three, um, which uh, Sarah will be covering this week because I forgot my notes. Okay. Yep, he stuck me with the whole thing. Yes, yes, this is my plan all purposely. Yes. I think this is yeah. Yes, this is my plan all along. I was uh, twirling my mustache, uh, my imaginary one since I don't really have one, um, and cackling madly uh, before I told her this. So. I envision the porn stash mustache. <laughs> it's inspiring, I know, right? Uh, definitely 80s, to go along with your obsession with Labyrinth. So. Oh, yeah. God, I love the movie. <laughs> All right, so, so we're going to do that, and then we're going to do feedback, and that'll wrap up the episode. So it's going to be a pretty short episode this week, 30 to 40 minutes, I'm guessing, and uh, that'll be it. Um, so hopefully... In the next coming weeks, maybe we'll get something. But like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but we'll just do our best each week to give you some content uh, that you can uh, you know, listen to and hopefully, you know, I guess enjoy. <laughs> really, that's what we do. That's what we do here. You know, hopefully the stuff we kick out is enough that uh, you enjoy what you're hearing and you can send feedback. We got feedback this week again, which is great. We'll get to that later. Uh, so again. Don't be afraid to send in some feedback and let us know what you think, how we're doing, and, or we're doing a bad job or a good job, doesn't matter. Let us know. And if you have any questions, uh, be sure to send it in. Uh, at the end of the episode, we will be letting you know about the contact information for our website and our Twitter accounts, as usual. So uh, you know, stay tuned for that later. Yeah, because we forgot last time. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're on the ball. Uh, yeah, totally. So professionals here. Um, all right. So let's start out with Emily Browning. So Sarah, why don't you why don't you take the lead? I want to give you the lead. I usually <laughs> do this, but you love Emily Browning. Um, 
she is probably, I'm guessing, right next to Jillian Anderson as, like, your female crush, I guess? Is that... She's on a list, but Jillian Anderson's kind of the queen. <laughs> okay, still, you know, on the list, so it's not a bad thing. Yeah, she's close with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, alright. Well, you take the lead, and I'll just kick in something whenever I can, if I can, so... So basically, he's just going to be like sipping a mimosa while I take over this episode. <laughs> I feel seriously, like you're doing chapter by chapter. You're, I mean, I'll tell you what, you let me know when you want me to talk a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I will, you know, wake up from the table and kick out a few words and lay back down. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Emily Brown. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she is from Australia. Um, she was born in 1988, uh, so she's 27. Um, she'll be turning 28 in December. Um, her debut acting role was in 1998 when she was like 10 years old. Um, a Hallmark Channel movie, The Echo of Thunder. Um, additional roles in Australian film and television production soon followed, uh, including roles on a television series called Blue Healers from 2000 to 2002, Something in the Air from 2000 to 2001. Um, Browning appeared as the daughter of a character played by Billy Connolly in The Man Who Sued God. I love Billy Connolly, by the way. He's great. <laughs> but I've never even seen that. Um, she made her American debut in Ghost Ship. Um, she won an Australian Film Award for Best Young Actress the same year. Uh, in 2003, she appeared opposite of Heath Ledger in Orlando Bloom in Ned Kelly. I never saw that, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I think I always wanted to, but I just, I just one of those movies that I never got around to, and I just kind of slipped through the cracks over the years. I never even heard of it until it's like Heath Ledger, Orlando Bloom. Wow, it was actually something. <laughs> um, she reunited with Billy Connolly on the fo- in the following year, uh, in the film adaptation of Lemmy Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, which is where I first saw her and loved her. She was Violet. Pilot Boat, I don't even remember how to say it, Baudelaire, I think. Um, but yeah, that was a great movie. Just kind of quirky and odd and great books. They kind of dwindled after, you know, you read four of them. But they're really popular when I was in high school. Um, in 2006, Browning appeared in a music video for Evermore's Light Surrounding You. Uh, in the beside- behind-the-scenes video for the clip, the band stated... We suck as actors, so we decided to get Emily. Um, she attended the L'Oreal Fashion Festival as a festival ambassador in 2007. Um, interesting note that she was supposed to be um, Bella Swan in Twilight, um, but she was quite exhausted from you know working, and she turned the role down. But Stephanie Meyer really was trying to push for her to be that character. Um... Let's see. You take over. <laughs> you need a break. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, all right. that's what I got. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, so as we know, she was in the movie Sucker Punch. Um, yeah, I never saw that one, but I know it was quite popular for her. Well, it was quite, yeah, I mean, okay. So, okay. So, Baby Doll is the kind of movie that is very popular with teenagers. Um, let's just say uh, for, you know, 15, 16-year-old, you know, males in particular. I guess it's, <laughs> it's um, yeah, so we'll just go there. Anyway, uh so, My yeah, husband watched yeah. it, and he told me I wouldn't like it. So it's I never um, watched it's, it. Okay, I'll be honest. All right, it's not a really good movie. It's not a very good movie. It really isn't. It's very it's hyper-stylized, which in and of itself isn't awful, but it's just it's aggravatingly so. Um, <laughs> and most of the female characters seem more like... like you, on one hand, you think, okay, they're like powerful in their own way but it's in such such a highly sexualized way where it's more like a male fantasy version of a a um powerful you know women as opposed to like an actual powerful woman 
I, I, gotcha. I do, yeah, you understand what I'm saying, like what I'm getting at. Um, you know, so yeah, it's basically a man's point of view of women being powerful. It's kind of like it's almost like um, like comic books where like the female superhero is you know just you know massive chest and you know perfect figure and you know she's you know the idealized version of a female superhero or like any video game where you know males have like full armor but if you want women to have like the armor it's literally like just like a metal piece kind of just covering the nipples and that's it (laughs) pretty pretty much (laughs) pretty much uh yeah that that sums it up so yeah it's not a really good movie uh if you're bored one day and you have absolutely nothing to do maybe (laughs) um but that's it. We've been talking about those kind of movies a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Replacements and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're still out there unfortunately. Uh, a lot of them. Um she replaced uh Mia Wasikowski in Sleeping Beauty in 2011. Um she, so Mia was originally slated, she dropped out of filming and so she took over. Uh actually pretty good because it actually was pr- it was a pretty decent movie, Sleeping Beauty. So um, I never saw it either. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's not great, but it's certainly it's not like a movie where you walk out of a theater and say, "I want my ten dollars back." So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just full of talking about these movies. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, and since then, I mean, she's done. I mean, she's done quite a bit. She, her career, she's been very, a very well. She's been a fairly steady worker between '04 and '09. There really wasn't anything there, um, which is a little surprising because after a series of unfortunate events, I, I which was, it wasn't as well received as I think people initially thought when it came out. It, it was a middling, critically received, it was a middling kind of movie. It was like a 60, 65% on the Rotten Tomatoes meter, you know, so it was yeah, just... It was like- it had the potential, but it didn't take it to the level it needed to go. Yeah, but I mean, the the kids in the movie were, I, think, I believe, if I remember correctly, they were cited as giving some pretty decent performances, including herself. Yeah. So I, I thought, I was a little surprised that, considering that, it would be five years until she got, you know, the, her first, like, role after that. Um, so, and that was in the Uninvited... And then another further two years when she got sucker punched. But after that, she's been working just nonstop since. So she had sucker punched, Sleeping Beauty. She was Sarah in Magic Mike, which um, I completely forgot about that. That was her. Really? <laughs> yep. Yep, she was Sarah. Uh, I never even saw that, but I've always wanted to see it. <laughs> yes, I know why you wanted to see it, because of Channing Tatum. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not a big Channing Tatum person, okay. but... Well, um, yeah. I think Matthew McConaughey is in the second one, or is he in the first one as well? He's the first one. Okay, yeah. That's why I would see it. <laughs> well, I will say this. Uh, Channing Tatum actually gives a pretty good performance, and it's based on his life. So. Seriously? Like a true story? That is, yes. He was a male stripper. <laughs> that's awesome. Seriously, yeah, he was. He was a male stripper, and he had a dream of being an actor. And that is actually what happened. It's, it's actually pretty inspiring, to be honest. I would watch it just for that if you, you know just to see what it was like and yeah he said he trained harder for that movie than he'd he up to that point than he'd ever trained for anything because it was it was amazing how hard it was after all those years to get back into doing what it, what it takes to be an onstage stripper which you don't think me you know is very difficult but it is you know physically it takes a lot out of you i guess so you know you sure it's Magic Mike she's in? Like, I see Magic Magic, but I don't see Magic Mike. Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. Drats. I'm, like, looking through, like, up and down. I'm like, I don't see it. You know what? I'm sorry. That was my fault. So all the people that are out there are like, you guys can't even read. It's true. <laughs> I can't I, I can't read. Apparently, uh, Magic Magic and Magic Mike are the exact same thing. Um, so as I've been sitting here talking about this movie for a full uh, three minutes, five minutes, whatever, um, it actually has nothing to do with this podcast. So there you go. I'm giving an endorsement to Magic Mike, despite the fact <laughs> that it has nothing to do with any of the actors in American Gods. So it's like how we go off on tangents about Stranger Things. Now it's gonna be Stranger Mike. <laughs> yes, right. So like, if the studio wants to send a check to me for you know kind of talking about this movie, 
and saying you should go watch it, uh, sure. Get a, get a hold I'll, I'll accept it. Get a, get, a, get a hold of me. I'll, I'll give you the address to send it to. So, uh, moving on. But since then, she's... <laughs> yeah, right. She was in Pompeii, um, which... Uh, I'm trying to think of that. Yeah, that was with um, Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington, right? Yeah. Yep, that was Pompeii. I thought that was it. And since then, she's done Legend, Golden Exits, and now American Gods. So, a lot of these are kind of smaller movies, I think, except for, like, a Pompeii, uh, Sucker Punch, Sleeping Beauty. Those are kind of the big, bigger movies she's done in the last, you know, what, five years or so, six years, uh, in American Gods. And that could really be, if this show is as good as we think it's going to be, it could really propel, propel her career forward and allow her to maybe get some of the bigger roles that she's probably been trying to get for, you know, a while. So, yeah, like, there's so many actors who, like, are like her, like Orlando Jones, who, like, have amazing potential, but have kind of had, you know, subpar roles that they always deserve, like, a really good role where they can shine and can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, there's a ton of actors that are like that out there. You know, there's so many actors and actresses, good actors and actresses, and there's always new ones, you know, coming. You know, there's, you know, it's like anything, you know, any profession, you know, you've been an actor for 20 years, but there's a new hot starlet or a hot young actor who's, you know, coming up the the pike, and he's going to get that role that you, you know, want, but he's now the hot new thing that's coming in you know to the whole you know acting industry you know it's like okay look at um perfect example so stranger things right i mean all those kids you know how many roles, yeah you know, they're how... gonna just dominate the acting field for a while yeah exactly you know so uh millie bobby brown is gonna be everywhere and so roles that may have gone to a variety of other young actors six months ago are not going to be going to them because everyone's going to want her for every female role, I guarantee Yeah, you. I've literally watched her rap video like a hundred times now. She's amazing. I, just, I, don't, I know. I, it, it amazes me that someone that's 12 years old can be that articulate and that yeah. self-aware. You know? Like, she doesn't strike me as someone who doesn't understand the position that she's in. And, like, she's totally, you know, I mean... They all are. They're all lapping up the attention, and they deserve to. Like, I don't... That's not anything that they should be um, embarrassed about or, uh, you know, feel like they should be taking it in stride. Like, oh, yeah. This, you know, like, acting all chill. Like, it. yeah, I'm like, <laughs> this doesn't mean anything. You know, like, no. <laughs> I guess I like the most popular show on TV. Uh yeah <laughs> this is the biggest moment of their, this is the biggest moment of their careers and you don't know when that stuff's gonna end you don't know when it may you know it might end at some point where they may not be getting the rules they might not be everyone might not be after them you don't know when that's gonna and it's gonna stop coming you know as child actors yeah. you want to transition into adult actors that's hard to do so yeah they deserve every ounce of of adoration and praise that they're getting and so yeah, it happens. And and so with Emily Browning, you know, things go in cycles for a lot of actors. You know, there was a time when Matthew McConaughey was just like, dude, what happened to his career, man? Like what? He was doing just the shittiest movies for the doing, longest time. Oh, dude, from like two, like from like 2001 to like 2009, I mean, he was just doing romantic comedy. I mean, it was just like going through the motions. Yeah, you like, know. until I saw Interstellar, like, I had completely written him off, but when I saw him in Interstellar, I fell right back in love with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. I saw a movie uh, called The Lincoln Lawyer, which is really the, uh, came out about uh, five years ago, maybe, five, six years ago, and that was, like, the start of him getting back to doing good movies, because that was the first good movie I'd seen him in him in, in years. And from that point on, he's done nothing but solid work since, you know. 
Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him as Flag in the Dark Tower series, where for all you that don't know, the Dark Tower series is by Stephen King, who's a big fan of Neil Gaiman, so it may be a tangent, but it still correlates to this. <laughs> yep, yep. So, uh, anyway, in this long tangent, this weird, <laughs> twisting, winding tangent that we've gone into, uh, the point being is that, uh, you know, Emily Browning is, you know, an actress who, she's young, you know, she's she's still in her 20s, um, and so she has the ability to really do some great things, and she just needs to be given the chance, so I'm hoping that her turn in American Gods is going to lead her to some excellent roles, you know, that she'll be like, oh, that, you know, oh, yeah, she's a good actor, or a good actress, you know, yeah, bring her in for an audition, and I hope she gets some of those those big acting roles that she deserves, you know, to get. Hell yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to add about Emily? Um, I'm just kind of looking at some stuff here. She was discovered in a school... Uh, Notice she was discovered in a school play. There was a uh, an agent who I think her his daughter went to school with her. Anyway, he saw her like acting all ditzy in uh, a school play. And so he, you know, told her, you know, her family and everything. And ever since, you know, she got found an agent and that's when she started filming. So. Yeah. And there's not really much else about her. Like, there's a lot of, she doesn't have her personal life out there too much, which is good. But it doesn't leave us much to discuss. Like, all I know is that she's in a relationship right now. Um, with an Australian actor, of course, his name is Xavier, um, who she met on set for Plush in 2012. Okay. Xavier, that's such a cool name. Yeah, yeah it is pretty cool. Um, she is a pressitarian, which apparently is a vegetarian who eats fish. So, you want a little bit Interesting. of odd, uh, odd information. Uh, <laughs> oh, she was... She was in the host. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the host. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, here's the thing, though. Let's um, let's kind of wrap up her her little profile here. Um. So, what qualities do you think she brings as an actress that you've seen her in, like movies and things? What are the things that make you think she's gonna be really good as Laura? She has this like energy about her that's just. I'm re like as I'm rereading it, like I kind of see her as Laura now because she has this kind of subtle demeanor about her that's always got like a romantic whimsy to it, and but also like a in control kind of personality that I think is going to be really good for for Laura. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. Um, I think she's going to do a really good job. I think that she has, and it's going to sound really, maybe it's going to sound really bad, but she has these really big um, liquid eyes. Yeah. And I I think that's always a trait in an actress which is um, undervalued. Because it's like these, you know, these giant eyes that can really speak volumes in the scene, and she has those. And I feel like with Laura, I've always saw Laura is this really very cute woman who has who Shadow has been enthralled with since the moment he saw her. And I feel like with her. I think she'll play that perfectly. She has this inner sweetness um, and this desperate need throughout the book in a lot of ways to atone for what happened when she died. And I've always felt like that's been the core thing throughout the entire book. And in a lot of ways, it's almost like she's spent the entire, spent the entire book trying to, to, to prove to Shadow that she's sorry. <laughs> I guess. And that she wants him. And that she's the only person that she's ever really wanted. And I feel like her 
qualities in, as an actress. She has a, a very pretty subtle uh, acting style. You know, like you said, there's an energy, but there's a there's almost like a quiet reserve there at times too. It's like a very mixture of the two. She does such a great job in in balancing those two qualities out. And I feel like with Laura, there's going to be a lot of quieter scenes throughout the show where she's going to be having these conversations with Shadow. I just feel like she's going to do an excellent job. I, I, I'm not worried in the slightest. When I found out she was cast as Laura, I thought slam dunk. Yeah, perfect. Like, anyone who gets cast on this show would just like, yeah, that's perfect. Didn't even think of it, but yeah, solid. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, all the people on this show I think have been well cast so far. Um, I just don't think that anybody is going to to do a bad job, at least uh, what I've seen so far. And this is such a vital character. This relationship between Shadow and her is such a big deal throughout the book. It's one of the main threads that runs through the entire story. Uh, it has so much to do with Shadow, with who he is, with what he's trying to go through, what he's trying to recover from, that... Um, they had to get this right, and uh, I certainly think this was an excellent casting choice. So um, I say, you know, kudos to Emily Browning, and uh, I'm really excited to see what she does with the character, uh, her take, her interpretation, and uh, yeah, I'll just we'll just be happy to see what uh, what happens on screen. Amen. So, all right, I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion. About Emily Browning. All right, so I guess uh, let's just jump right into chapter by chapter, which um, you will be you will be doing. So, yay me! <laughs> Again, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> He's not sorry. <laughs> I, I, I apologize, but not really. Um, <laughs> sorry slash not sorry. <laughs> exactly. All right, so I'll just let you take over. So go ahead. All right, so. We're going to kind of focus on, you know, the scenes with Laura. We, we're we not going to include the ending few pages of the Coming to America snippet. Just because we kind of, uh, it's a little, it's a lot for me to talk about in one sitting. So, yeah, we kind of trimmed it a little bit, but here we yeah, go. We'll cover, we'll cover that next week. We'll yeah, pack we'll that up. <laughs> Okay, so Shadow enters into the Motel America that he gotten dumped at by Technical Boy. Uh, it's where he and Wednesday are staying, and um, Wednesday is, of course, already checked in. Um, so says a mousy-looking woman at the counter who calls Wednesday up to come out because she doesn't trust Shadow to actually be telling the truth. Wednesday is talking to Shadow and asks if he wants to talk about the funeral, and Shadow, of course, declines. <laughs> Mr. Wednesday is quite grateful for that doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, they go back to Mr. Wednesday's room where he has several maps scattered and like pinned up, drawings all over them with marking pens. Um, Shadow says he got hijacked by a fat kid. Wednesday, of course, knows who he's talking about. Um, Shadow says he needs maybe a week to wrap up Laura's affairs before returning back to his room, where he ordered himself a pizza and he finally has the bath he promised himself that he'd have when he was out of prison. But of course, it's not exactly what he imagined. Um, Shadow's laying in bed after eating, and it's his first time in bed as a free man. Also not how he imagined. He had imagined being in his bed with Laura, and that thought just kind of brings him into pain. Shadow tries to think about something else other than Laura. He focuses on his coin tricks, which usually distract his mind, and he starts listing the coin trips that he's mastered in his head. Um, but then he thinks of the coin that he tossed into Laura's grave, and from that back to Audrey telling him about Laura, and it all comes back, and his heart just hurts. And they have a line in the book that's every hour wounds, the last one kills. And without realizing it, sleep took him. In his dream, he's walking through a room bigger than a city. Everywhere he looked were statues and carvings. And next to him was this woman-like thing with, like, naked, flat-hung breasts and pendulous on her chest. Around her waist was a chain of severed hands. You know, doesn't that just turn you on? Right. <laughs> In her hands, she held knives. And where her head's supposed to be, instead of, were, like, twin serpents looking at each other ready to attack. 
to shadow there was like something profoundly disturbing and deeply wrong with this so he backed away he felt as he walked that eyes were following him and as he looks upon the statues a voice spoke to him fussy and exact and of course I didn't write this down so I have to like flip the page so I forgot <laughs> I'm terrible I'm sorry guys <laughs> alright alright the voice spoke these are gods who have been forgotten and now might as well be dead. They can be found only in dry histories. They're gone, all gone, but their names and their images remain with us. And Shadow is wandering, turns a corner and sees all kinds of different statues of all kinds of different concoctions. The voice kind of continues on. These are gods who have passed out of memory. Even their names are lost. The people who worship them are as forgotten as their gods. Their totems are long since broken and cast down. Their last priests died without passing on their secrets. The museum-esque voice continues on. Gods die, and when they truly die, they are unmourned and unremembered. Ideas are more difficult to kill than people, but they can be killed in the end. And Shadow eventually, after wandering around seeing more terrifying statues, wakes up with his heart just pounding. It's like one in the morning. And he gets up, went to the bathroom in the dark, doesn't even bother turning on the lights. Um, the dream is really fresh and vivid in his mind. And when he returns to his room, the small amount of light that's kind of shimmering through the window, sees a figure on his bed. It's a woman. A woman he knows. Someone he could pick out of a crowd of a hundred thousand people. She was even still wearing the suit she was buried in. It's, of course, Laura. He sinks kind of into the chair that's the opposite of her, and um, he asks if it's really her, and she says, yes, I'm cold, puppy. And Shadow tells her, you're dead, babe, <laughs> which she knows and understands. Shadow doesn't want to go near her with their quote-unquote unresolved issues, that being her sleeping with Robbie. Uh, Laura's an ex-smoker, but not really caring about the health risks associated with smoking any longer. She <laughs> gets Shadow to go get some cigarettes in the lobby to calm her, I guess, and calm her nerves. The cigarettes, though, are a disappointment because she can't taste them, and they're having no effect on her because she's dead. She's a corpse. Um, we learn that the reason he was in prison was because she asked him to get involved in something, but we aren't privy to what it is in this conversation. Laura explains about her and Robbie. It started as friends meeting for coffee, talking about Shadow getting out of prison, how good it would be when he would get out. But after 13-odd months, Audrey was away for a week. Laura and Robbie got drunk. All good decisions begin with getting drunk. He just... <laughs> really good thought process. So, of course, they had sex. And Laura insensitively states that it was on the floor and it was good. Really good. Shadow, of course, doesn't want to hear that at all. Like, that's just... Just stick the knife and twist it into my side when I don't hear my back. And, um... But Laura looks at like, it's like looking at a photograph. These events don't mean so much when you're dead. But, you know, to Shadow, it matters to him. Laura tells him that they carried on their affair for the two years. And then, when he was getting ready to be released, Laura ended their affair. They had dinner. She, she drank a lot. Again, brilliant decision-making, Laura. Laura decided to give Robbie a uh, farewell blowjob. Again, awesome idea. Pull to the side of the road, people. Her shoulder um, knocks against the gear shift mid uh, the axe, and they uh, kind of lost control, swerving, and that was that. After talking some more, she tells Shadow that he got himself mixed up in some bad things and that she was going to be watching over him and then thanks him for the present, the coin. She says, I think there are several aspects of our marriage we're going to have to work on. He's just like, babe, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the aspects we're going to have to work on. I always like that it's just like... Like, you can overcome that. Her voice is just like, yeah, we'll have to work on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, that's so easy to fix. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll just, you know, you could die and then we could be together. Easy fix. <laughs> right. Um, Laura decides to go, but she kisses him. He's standing on her tippy toes. It's not very pleasant at all. Her lips tasted like mothballs and her 
her tongue's like cold and dry oh. and it flicks into his mouth and oh. it's tasting of cigarettes and bile. Like, oh. Oh. How he didn't gag and throw up is like a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that's <laughs> Man, with yeah. dreaming of terrifying naked gods to corpsey kisses, Shadow will be having wet dreams forever. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of therapy sessions. That too. <laughs> Shadow watches her leave before immediately going over to Wednesday's room to tell him what he just saw and that they can leave tomorrow. Laura's mother can handle her <laughs> quote quote affairs. Um, Wednesday returns back to the mousy looking receptionist for a good night ahead of him. Um, Shadow returns back to his room and decided to mourn and remember Laura the way she was before. How they were young and stupid and crazy about each other unable to keep their hands off of each other. And he cries, deep, lurching sobs, crying himself to sleep. And that's where it ends. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, this, uh, this chapter really is significant because we get to see Shadow and Laura. Um, you know, we get to see their interactions for the first time. And... Uh, we also understand why, I think, if I remember correctly, that it's because, of course, it's because of the gold coin they threw into the dirt. Yeah, we don't really specifically get told that, but we just kind of assume that, like, she has it. That must be the reason why she's back. Yeah, and of course, later on, it does become apparent because they do specifically mention that. However, yeah. um, you know... Why would she come back? Well, I mean, he threw this gold coin, and all of a sudden she's sitting in his room. Um, and it's around her neck. I bet it's just like, yeah. everything else is kind of screwed up in my life. Why not you staying dead as well? <laughs> sure, why not? That, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it, I, I, I've always really liked this chapter because it's, it's one of those things where it's almost like wish fulfillment on a certain level. And yet, also your worst nightmare, right? So, so really? like someone that you love has died, and yet they are not dead because now they've come back and they're sitting in your room and they're having a conversation with you. They're not a ghost, right? They're actually sitting there and they're not a zombie, so they're not like chewing on your brain or something. They're literally just they're dead, but not dead, and they're just kind of talking to you like a normal person, despite the fact that they're. They're literally a walking, talking corpse. Decaying. Decaying Pile corpse. of gunk. <laughs> and yet they're talking in their life to a certain extent. They're physically moving and speaking. And and yeah, for a lot of people, that would be a dream come true. But it's also a nightmare because they still are, they're not like alive, really. And, and so on one hand, it's great. And yet at the same time, it's terrible and i feel like it's kind of a mixture of both for shadow because on one hand he can never really say goodbye because she's not really gone and yet he doesn't want to ever say goodbye because despite everything that's happened despite robbie the pain the agony of everything you know he still loves her you know yeah she's still his i just kind of picture like they get really desperate she's really decaying and it's gonna be like in splash where they had to keep her in that big tank of water they'll just have like a big tank of formaldehyde to keep laura in <laughs> yeah yeah it oh god it's terrible <laughs> um yeah so i've always liked this chapter a lot it's it's always been one of those chapters that i look forward to every time i reread because it's such a milestone moment in the show or in the book and of course it will be in the show and it but it's so early too. It's so early in, in the whole, you know, the whole book, you know, three, three chapters in. And yet this giant moment happens because she's brought back to life and she talks to Shadow. And it, it really is the beginning of the chain reaction of events that she's involved in, which leads to the end of the book. So Yeah. And she'll be with us for quite a while, for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, all right. So I think we've covered chapter by chapter. So let's um, let's move into our feedback section. Right. So let me bring him up. 
because I'm so prepared. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're going to do feedback section here, which uh, once we're done with that, we're going to do the uh, the Twitter and email, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then we'll do wrap up and uh, we'll be done. Yep. So we have an email um, sent in from our website um, from Jacob. And he writes to us, I just wanted to let you both know how amazing it is to have a podcast to listen to about my favorite book and the discussions of how the show adaptation has come so far. I love the organization of the episodes and how you balance both the book and the show news. Hopefully more people subscribe and this podcast gets the respect it deserves. Thank you for all you both do with this podcast. And that's what he sends in. Uh, is it the name? Um, Jacob. So, Jacob. That's right. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Seriously. Uh, it's really, we talked about this uh, before the episode aired. You know, it, it's really great to, to hear that people are actually, you know, enjoying this. And we know that there are people that must be really enjoying it because we can see that our, our downloads per week, um, are going up. More people are, you know, downloading our podcast or listening to it. So even though, you know, we're not getting a ton of people that are writing in, uh, it is nice to hear that you are really enjoying our podcast and, um, that it must, you know, mean something to you that we're talking about the show, we're talking about the book and the adaptation. So it's nice to hear that the things that we're talking about actually have an impact on you and an impact enough that you took time out of your day and your schedule to, you know, send us this feedback into our website. Um, so thank you very much, really, for, um, for the feedback and for the kind words. Yes, thank you very much. And if anybody else would like to send us in any feedback, um, you can email us at americangodspodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at americangodspod. Um, we both have our individual Twitter handles. Mine's at Labyrinth Rose, and his is at Michael underscore Lanick. We're on Facebook. Um, uh, just type in American Gods Podcast, and we'll pop up with our little logo. Um Am I oh, our website, <laughs> americangodspodcast.com. I always forget one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So you can go to any of those and uh, get in contact with us. Uh, well, if you're on Twitter, you know, you can strike up a conversation. And if you want to talk about, you know, anything, uh, all things American Gods, the show, the book, whatever, uh, don't be afraid to do that. Uh, and of course, as we said, you know, send us feedback for whatever reason you know you don't have to send us feedback and be like oh you're doing such a great job if you just want to uh, ask a question or you have a point of view um, whether it, it's in sync with our own or whether it's completely opposite you know, from what we think um, that's fine it's all ideas are welcome all opinions are welcome so if you send it in it'll be on our podcast um, but certainly you don't have to you don't have to send in email or or any kind of feedback um only do it if you want to but we do appreciate it and if you yes. would yes and if you would be so kind if anybody would like to get on itunes and uh and you know rate us write a review um because it does help us it helps us in you know the itunes store it, it kind of raises the level of our podcast uh within the store itself and uh that definitely helps us out so if anybody would like to do that we would be very appreciative and uh yeah so thanks yeah no one has yet so seriously you can be first you can be king of the reviews or yeah, queen you, you can be like, well, that's like i'm first and like boom you know so that's great and we'll you know we'll thank you on the on the podcast as well if you'd like that yes. so you know if you send in or any kind of email or if you write a review on itunes we'll be sure to thank you on the show so I think that about covers it. Um, we'll wrap this up and we'll be seeing you soon, godlings. Yeah. Okay. So wrap up thoughts. Uh, oh, yes. We should do that. <clears throat> yeah. So wrap up thoughts. Basically, uh, excellent chapter by chapter. Uh, except there's not a lot of news this week. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed talking about Emily Browning because it's such a big role. It's uh, a vital role for the show. And I feel like she's going to do an amazing job. So, um, 
I'm just looking forward to seeing the show and to see her in that role. And I think she'll do uh, a bang up job. Oh yeah. I think she'll kick ass. Um, yeah, she's wonderful. She's, you know, done some really great roles. Like even if the movies she's been in haven't been like stellar, she's always quite, quite good in them and always a little more excellent. My screen just went black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my monitors just like went to sleep and scared the shit out of me. I'm like, no, all of that recording. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. My screen just like gave me a heart attack, but yeah. Um, yeah, she's wonderful. Really looking forward to seeing her in American Gods, especially in the chapter we just talked about. It's going to be an amazing role for her. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Uh, okay. Well, that's it for us this uh, <laughs> this week. So next week, uh, we will be covering, of course, somebody else within the, the show. Um, who do you think will be an excellent uh, person to cover? Have you even... I don't mean either. I'm so terrible. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't even looked, so uh, bear with us for one second, because uh, we've covered uh, some of the main actors so far. We've covered Gillian Anderson, uh, Emily Browning. We've done... um, We could talk about uh, Pablo Schreiber, since we just talked about Matt Sweeney. Yeah, yeah, let's do do him, uh, because, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So that's it, everyone. Uh, Pablo Schreiber next week, and uh, yeah, chapter by chapter. Uh, ho- hopefully there's some news. If there isn't, uh, it'll be a lot like this episode, so hopefully this episode was uh, good enough for you guys, <laughs> and, uh, and if not, well, too bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's too bad we, for you. <laughs> it's, what, it's, it's what we got. Uh, so that's it, and we'll have a good night, and we'll see you next week. Night Godlings.